0: to the Non-Breaking Space Show from Austin, Texas. I'm the internet's Christopher Schmidt. And on today's show, we are rejoined with Simon St. Laurent, the content manager at LinkedIn Learning. This week, we talk about Facebook privacy, Apple stepping out of the router business, adventures becoming the most bankable movie franchise, and much, much more. Before we get started, some things I'd like you to know. The UX Design Newsletter is a weekly list of articles, t- tutorials, and inspiration picked by me. Sign up at uxdesignnewsletter.com. And have the best links of the week sent to your email. Speaking of email, you can set it and forget it with a Non-Breaking Space Show. So whenever a new show is ready, you'll be notified in your inbox. All you have to do is sign up at newsletter.nonbreakingspace.tv. And did you know that we have a YouTube channel? Yeah, we do. We got one of those. Watch our show unedited episodes at youtube.com slash non-breaking space show. All one word. If you hear about a site or resource on this episode, chances you'll find the link. In the episode at the nonbreakingspace.tv website. Be sure to follow me, Christopher, on Twitter at teleject. T e l e j e c t. You know, join for the, for my attempts to be funny or my uh, blatant typos, whichever one uh, makes you laugh the, the most. As always, thank you for telling others about nonbreaking space and finding us on the Apple website. For iTunes and podcast flavors. Now, on with the show. Well, yeah. So it's been a while since our last, my last episode on sure. Well, you're actually there on my last episode. Uh, we talked about uh, self-driving cars. I think that was that was awesome. We we squeezed that in during Thanksgiving. And, um, I've actually pointed to people like I told nerd it was like, cause people talk about self-driving cars and I think there's been another accident since we last talked yeah. where some, some, uh, I think it was a woman got, uh, uh, I, I, I haven't had the yeah. guts to see the video.
1: No, I'm not, the watching the video. Yeah,
0: I'm not watching the video, but I think it was like someone like the car technology wasn't expecting this person to walk out yeah. at the last second or something like that i'm not really sure but a
1: lot of the technology was switched off i don't uh, know i, I mean yeah. i I liked it better on the last call because the best way to do these things is yeah. for people who know a lot more than me yeah to be on the call and <laughs> that worked great
0: yeah so anyway so like things have happened since then but uh that raised up a whole lot of discussions and so like uh i was able to like be a told nerds like oh you should listen to my podcast here's my here's our episode about self-driving cars and and uh, so yeah, i was like oh right, okay, cool that's pretty nice um but yeah so 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 that was the last episode about that yeah i took a break to hiatus i had some uh, medical issues i had to take care of
1: um you look great you sound great Hopefully
0: oh I'll awesome well. thank you i have no idea how i sounded before but uh i i um i knew that uh the last ch- time i had a chance to do a 5k which i mm-hmm. do not break any land speed records uh i, I passed <laughs> the last second because i just felt like there was no way i could finish it much right. less i felt like i could die trying to finish to accomplish right. it so i said like no i'm gonna pass on this one and so uh, i had surgery over the holiday break and just learning to say no to a lot of projects a lot of things and
1: saying no is good
0: yeah and i've not really mastered that at all so but i'm still getting there i've said no to a lot of things uh i'm no to a lot more things in the future but uh um and where was I going? Oh, and so basically, I just I did a 5K uh, a couple weeks ago, which is amazing because I had like uh, major sh- surgery uh, in early December, and I came in dead last, Perfect. but I did not die. So that was <laughs> that was that was the win. And so it was it was really humbling because it was like it was at uh, no one was at the finish line except for my family. That was pretty funny. It was like there was like no everyone had moved on. They had actually moved on to the award ceremony uh, to another place in the venue. And so, but no one was there. I mean the clock was there telling me how right. slow I was right. and everything at the end. My family was me on. So uh that was that was fun. So but you had a uh very
1: select audience.
0: So. Yeah. Exactly. I wouldn't these are the people I would invite to my uh yeah. watch me s- s- slob and sweat down the uh, down the finish line. So yeah, um but yeah, so uh, how have you been since we since we last talked?
1: Uh, busy. Uh, but Besides
0: irate the last two days or a few days. Perhaps.
1: Yeah, I, I'm good at irate sometimes. But yeah, uh, how the holidays,
0: how was uh, everything?
1: The, ho- the holidays were great. I've been celebrating that I've been mostly at home. It's really like amazing to step further away from travel and further away from travel. Yeah. Um, April was a little crazy because I had two trips in consecutive weeks, uh, but one of them was for fun and one of them was for work. So I can't even blame work for that. It was my uh, weird scheduling. So uh, yeah, now it looks like I'm looks like I don't have another business trip till August. I'm, I'm I'm very happy and very confused. So it's good.
0: <laughs> well, yes, Get that's...
1: to see things. Yes.
0: Yes. Awesome. Well, that's pretty good. So and then um, yeah, and then also if you've you've had the uh, amazing snow that never ends. Uh, the winter well, ends, right
1: it, it just lurched from winter into summer it's like 83 right now and i would <laughs> like my snow back please right. so um, yeah
0: i just had a meeting with someone who's in new jersey and it's like 80 degrees right now as well so it's, it's like, i
1: yeah i i my my favorite seasons come in order fall winter spring summer mm-hmm. so the only thing that gets me through summer is knowing that fall and winter are coming so
0: yeah,
1: yeah. it'll be exciting
0: yeah i'm not i'm not looking forward to uh summer and in Texas, so it's gonna be hot, but anyway, but yeah, let's yeah. Catch, catch up on some news items. Uh, uh, we've we've missed a lot in the last uh, few months, but we'll try to keep it keep it recent with the news, news stories. I think number one
1: over the last few days, as information started to point towards this individual, we started some surveillance, we were able to get some discarded DNA. And we were able to confirm what we thought we already knew, that we had our man. And yesterday afternoon, in a perfectly executed arrest, my detectives arrested James Joseph D'Angelo, 72 years old, living in Citrus Heights.
0: Uh, The first one is the, uh, I guess, the Golden Golden Gate uh, killer has been caught. Uh, East Area Rapist is... is, uh, also his his name he's got a lot of nicknames and so uh what i found was interesting of course is that they used dna uh mm-hmm. to pinpoint him and, and and technically it was like a, it was a cold case file but they kept on working on it working on it uh tr- trying to get into so this you know and so it actually like had to break in the case and so from what i could gather is that they used free a free account on uh you know, like you know on your ancestry you know, tracking your family tree and stuff like that, and so they had samples, uh, DNA samples from his past, from the from past cases, and and so like a, a relative of the Golden Gate Killer put up their DNA, and it was a close match. That's that's how I, how yeah,
1: I that's kind of the the story they told at the outset. It turns out it's a little more complicated, oh, yeah? which is kind of a good thing. So they actually thought that some guy in Oregon was the killer briefly, uh, because he also had a DNA match, or his relatives had a DNA match. Um, They went as far as getting a warrant for it, and he was like, "You can have my DNA. I didn't do it," (laughs) Um, and and he didn't. So, um, so that was good. It's just, I mean, it's interesting to me. Like I have. At at some point for work, we were doing this, like, uh, bone marrow transplant thing, so I gave my DNA, and then a few years later, my mother was like, let's do this Ancestry thing, and so I was like, hmm, well, I've already given away my DNA, okay, let's do this thing. Um, I went back, uh, when you brought up the topic, to see what Ancestry's privacy policy was, and there's definitely something in there where, yes, under a warrant or a subpoena, we will give up the data. Yeah. it doesn't sound like it's as easy as we have this DNA. Please match it for us uh, for uh, for like every case in the universe. Um, the other thing that's crazy about it, though, is that as you noted, it's it was a relative, and that's really kind of the the key to this. Um, we've we've had a lot with with social media lately, and like people tracking you on social media. And one of the interesting bits I saw on that was that if we know what enough of your friends think, we can guess what you think with mm-hmm. remarkable accuracy. Right. And with DNA, we don't have to have your DNA. As long as, you know, five of your relatives have put in DNA and they're sort of vaguely close right. to you, we can put the pieces together. Um, that's new and different and weird.
0: Well, I, mean, uh, I do that's too different. I mean, they've done a lot of um you know what i forgot the name of the documentary i have to go look it up but it was just the uh they've traced the like the origins of mankind you know from taking just a ton of oh, yeah. dna samples from a lot of people a lot of continents and a lot of countries and just like oh this is probably where things happen like and i mean you get your 23 in, in Me, you know report and it just tells you like where you came from so i don't know it's it's not terribly shocking to me that
1: well the though- the part that's interesting to me, from the yeah. police perspective, is that it used to be, you know, like fingerprints. Your brother's fingerprints wouldn't look like your fingerprints, right. or you know, there were these connections, but they wouldn't add up. With the DNA thing, even if it's like your fairly distant relatives, yeah. it's it's gotten a little more um, searchable. Yeah. Um, before they could definitely match DNA if yeah. they had your DNA and DNA from the scene, right? But now it's it's a a broader it's not google for dna but it's it's getting closer. something out
0: there yeah it's yeah. like a, it's like a fuzzy search i guess for it so that's what you're saying it's like so instead of having a, a, but you you would still need you know for a court case you still need to have like the dna to match up with the person that's in, sitting yes. in front of them like just, I, but just for detective work though yet. yeah for detective work yeah it's like if, if we get the right family or you know relative and get close match okay yeah and that's you know that's that's kind of the future we're living in with like, we don't, we don't need to know everything about you, but if we have enough information, we can, we can, we can make a really good case of what you're, what you're thinking about. Yep. Yeah.
1: So they, they don't have his DNA yet. They haven't confirmed all of these things. And obviously really? he hasn't been convicted.
0: Really? Cause like, yeah. like cause, cause in the, in the uh, initial, initial reporting, they said that they had like a sample that was disposed of, like he got rid of it somehow, which, which made me think of, That's, they went through his trash.
1: That like, is totally possible. Yeah. The thing that I saw was that they were still fighting, getting a real DNA sample from him, like yeah. a blood sample, or I guess a spit sample. I don't know. Yeah. Um, I don't know what the gold standard is in court. No. Um, yeah. The thrown away things is, uh, is like, a, also got a great history and uh, fingerprints too. Right. So
0: yeah. I get mean, fingerprints, but. I mean, yeah, there's a, there's a case in, uh, I think Portland, oregon where that or i think it's portland it could be seattle but uh i think it's portland where like uh there was a case where like uh if trash is put on the sidewalk then it's fair game right so people can go spelunking in it and uh and so and so a, a local tv a newspaper journalist is like okay cool so they went spelunking all the city commissioners or, or city officials to yeah. pass that law and they're like, okay, cool. How, can you explain this to me? Can you explain this, like, why I have this receipt for this <laughs> right. thing? And and they're like, not,
1: not, not terribly
0: happen. amused by the yes. fact that they legally uh, came about their uh, about their uh, you know discarded items. And so, so basically, like, yeah. So, like, if they think someone is a is a suspect, they if you discard things on you leave it outside your home, and there's plenty of DNA probably floating around there for some reason or another, you can, you can get that. I mean even that was like, I remember seeing like an old, uh, I think it was an old unsolved mystery where like, they just like, uh, a detective just got a cigarette butt from a a suspect Mm -hmm. and just pulled that in. And, and he just like discarded it off on the ground or something like that. So, but yeah, so, uh, and we're all shedding DNA all the time. So there you go. So,
1: yes, we are.
0: (laughs) So there you go. So no hiding from, I don't know, whatever we're hiding from. So cool. Uh, yeah. So that's a, that's an uplifting case, uh, Issue to talk about there. There, so let's move on to the next one, which is uh, number two. A little more technology, like not not more technology, but a little bit more. Um, I guess consumer oriented is the uh, the Apple is done making routers, which makes sense because they you know there's a, they haven't really done any major updates to the routing so like you know Time Capsule and all that mm-hmm. in a while. But I remember when they entered the market, they like desperately like. I was trying to get my Lexus writer to work with my new, you know, my new MacBook and get it working with uh, the printer and everything. It just wasn't working out. And I just like, I just, you know, spent the extra money to get an Apple product because it costs a bit more and just the ease of setup, uh, -hmm. to get my computer running and stuff like that. So I just, I've never looked back. I gained another product.
1: (laughs) I started with it at my parents' house because I was looking for something with, you know, ease of use and they had Macs and it all made sense. Um, and then I actually wrote a piece at one point because I was going through a, r- a router every 12 months. They were like made out of Kleenex or something. Yeah. Um, they'd set up, I'd go through all the work to do it. And then like twelve months later, I'd have signal in my office and no place else because just something wasn't happy over time. Yeah. And you know, my parents' router trucked along for like 10 years.
0: Yeah.
1: And so about four years into that, I was like, okay, I give up. Let's go buy an airport. Yeah. Um, and it was the most stable piece of my network infrastructure until about six months ago when I finally replaced it. Um, partly because I knew Apple wasn't updating anything to do with them. Um, partly because it was doing weird things. It was showing like yellow flashing lights for no apparent reason. So they can give up the ghost. But the the other thing that I like, I, I was thinking about this, and I bought about one of the IMAX with like the lampstand look to it. I can't remember. It's like, it looks like the Pixar lamp, but it's—it wasn't the original candy-colored iMac, but it right. wasn't the yeah. Um, and you know, I could have put an airport card in that, and I would have had to buy like all of these things to make it work at that point. And I just was like, I have Ethernet. I'm not doing this. <laughs> but when they first did that, like that iMac and one of the—I can't remember if it was a MacBook at that point or if it was still called something else. You know, they were like the only things you could do that with. There were the standards were still kind of being developed. Um, Apple really saw this kind of wireless future ahead of us, where we didn't want to like plug our well not yet existing phone into an Ethernet jack. Um, it was it was one of those like big steps that made other things possible.
0: Right.
1: And now everything's possible anyway, so I guess we just don't need it
0: you know, I think they need to have a great router to make their new products work. And they, and so they need to, like a kind of seamless experience and that was on the market. And, you know, and I, you know, I haven't looked at the market elsewhere. Apparently Apple stores are selling a, like, you know, a non Apple router in their mm-hmm. Apple stores now and uh, everything's a mesh now. And so, um, so I was waiting for, you know, Apple to come out with a mesh product that would, you know, right. a mesh time capsule would be really sweet right now. But, uh, but yeah, they didn't. They decided to give the ghost, which I feel like. You know, There's, you know, some comments about this on on the internet. Uh, believe it or not, people are opinionated <laughs> on the internet. But uh,
1: about Apple?
0: Yeah, I know. I just feel like for a company that has wanted to own the experience, or are so good at being, uh, having, uh, for focusing on having a user experience that is exceptional, making sure people get up and running on the internet. I think is very key to that, um, and you still have to deal with, you know, Time Warner now, Spectrum, AT and T, you know, FiOS, and all this other stuff. Like, you know, you know, Google Fiber is here. Um, you know, I switched to Google Fiber, and I'm not looking back. If I can help it, you know, hopefully, I don't right. knock on wood, I don't have to relocate anywhere. That's not <laughs> that doesn't have Google Fiber, but uh, but even then, just to be able to plug and play as as well as you could, I feel like that's very critical to having your you know your ipad or your apple product or apple uh you know your phone work uh maybe you go into other devices so like So i feel like it's really essential to have a really great um you know up and running with your internet with wireless and so you know i don't know maybe the kids these these days don't need it don't need a laptop or or, uh, well, or desktop experience but you know i feel like you I just you definitely don't want to be on your you know data plan all the time when you're at home so
1: yeah, I mean, I, I, actually, the, the weird thing is I find people who are perfectly happy to be on their data plan at home. Yeah. Like, the, the extra cost of that is less than the annoyance of maintaining the router and dealing with my cable company who, like, won't let me just have plain Internet and wants to send me new things every week. Um, so I, I can kind of see their point. Um, the main thing, though, like on Apple... Like, yes, you can get other routers. Their interfaces have improved. Um, They may not look Mac like, but they're way better than they used to be. Mm -hmm. Um, I feel like they're just focusing more and more on the phone experience. Yeah. And, you know, they're, I think the router shows that they're even assuming that you're just going to have signal and not have to think about it. Right. So which is kind of funny thinking about the early days of the iPhone and problems with AT&T, but I guess we're past that now. So,
0: yeah, I think we're, you know, I switched from, I used to, I was grandfathered then with AT&T on the unlimited data plan Mm -hmm. and I've switched over just recently. Like you, like, I thought that you you would have to like, there's no way I could get off AT&T because I didn't want to get rid of that unlimited data plan. But now like, you know, fast forward to the future, you know, other providers have unlimited data plans on par, you know, mm-hmm. with with uh, with ATT's data plan, and so I've been very happy with my other provider, and it's just been yeah, been great. I've got a lot more features now, you know, and it was as painful as I thought it was going to be to transfer. <laughs> yeah, I seem
1: to remember you had some kind of crazy multi-office madness.
0: Yeah, so like I like I've like you know being an Apple ecosystem, you know, disciple, you know, I have all these devices, and I'm like. I'm gonna like rush into this new provider experience. And so the customer support person just assumed I had one phone and right. one and then it wasn't hearing my entire spiel because right. I didn't fit into their nice preformed uh script. And so I got I went up to a couple levels of support <laughs> that uh, okay. I was not expecting and took a lot like took like a week go through that so but other than Good that work. you know uh you know other providers so so like so there's still pain points is what i'm trying to say like to try to get up and running right mm-hmm. so i'm becoming kind of a unique case where like i had multiple devices but like i still you know if apple's pushing us more into a tablet arena or maybe that's where millennials or next future generations are going and, and desktops become this luxury experience you know where you know i just mm-hmm. I, I i don't i don't, I don't know It just seems like a weird, weird, I'm not sure where their focus is. And, you know, and I don't, you know, they don't really ask me for my opinion about that. So, but,
1: uh, (laughs) yeah, I was, I was all ready to go in on a big Mac pro at one point and then they released the new one and it was such a disappointment that I completely stopped and did other things. Actually, I think I bought a woodworking workbench at that point with the money, um, but I mean, I've always had a mix. Like I bounce back and forth between Windows and Mac. I have an Android phone. I have a uh, an iPad in the other room. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's it's. I had the Apple router. I didn't really need the Apple router. This right. Asus thing is doing okay. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, the other the other fun thing that I see with Apple is that you know because Apple has infinite money, uh, people mm-hmm. are like, well, why can't they support my favorite product anymore? Right. I think they're busy building like money counting machines or something, <laughs> but that's, you know, well, they, I'm, I'm very curious. They've, they've announced they're going to do new things with the Mac pro and I would love to see what happens there. Um, everybody I know wants a new Mac mini and that just hasn't happened in forever. We'll see.
0: Yeah. I just, I don't understand why they're having troubles with, and also to go back to having unlimited money <laughs> like from, and uh, why are they supporting my products? I was like, they have billions of dollars and my my thing is like take one billion dollars just shave it off and just invest that into maps because their map app needs the work
1: still yes
0: yeah i think it was announced like they've they have mapping uh uh machines like cars stuff like that they've mapped extensively 40 states of the united states i'm like well that's great <laughs> uh, like, like, I think Alaska and Hawaii have been updated to the, to the Constitution <gasps> of the United States since then. So you may want to, like, you know, get the last 10 in there. So,
1: yes, so. yes. I mean, the, the other thing that I've always wondered, actually, I should say, I was like when I was in Salt Lake City a couple of weeks ago, my Mac, like, was stuck in uh, safe boot mode. Um, and I was amazed that Safari worked as well as it did. I think Apple has a detect if it's in safe boot mode, yeah. but nothing else really worked. Yeah. Uh, Terminal did. The um, I don't know. It's like fit and finish. Or I start thinking that like everything is starting to remind me of iTunes level of frustration. Okay, it, it's challenging.
0: Yeah, they've uh, they've tried to slim down iTunes. I'm not sure how you go about fixing the iTunes problem, but that's just another another thing right there so um but yeah, yeah. like there's like uh, i go to itunes to buy movies or music and stuff like that too so i one thing i have like i do want to say something positive about apple is that i do i've i experimented and i still am on their apple music subscription and i just love you know i i'm as an apple apple uh, ecosystem user as I, i've said before mm-hmm. just be able to find a music uh see it download it and move on with my life without having to uh, buy it or like think about buying and purchasing and just trying music. And, you know, and I've had Spotify and I've had all these other th- accounts, but um, you know, to be able to, to, to find music easily, that's great. Now the hard part is I want to throw this music to, to other speakers in my house. And that's just like not right. happening. And there's no way I'm buying a home pod for like $400. You know, there's like, no way that's happening, you know. On, on any. I'm sure it's a great speaker, <laughs> home speaker, but there's right. no way. Like, I don't really see that happening. So, well,
1: uh-huh. I'm I'm the strange guy who goes the other way. Like, I, when I got that that iMac I was talking about earlier, I got all excited about iTunes. I ripped, you know, like every CD I had in the house. Then, yeah, that's awesome. I've ripped almost everything else I bought. That's, that's how I buy music because I'm weird. But, um, you know, everything was going to this old iPod and it finally gave up the ghost and it's now my daughter's toy and she loves it, yeah. uh, but it doesn't work. <laughs> and uh, I've got to decide, you know, all my music's in iTunes, but I don't know. Do I really want to buy this new? Anyway,
0: yeah.
1: we'll see. I'll keep you posted. All
0: right. Yeah, I mean, I wish they sell the iPod Classic. That'd be great. Number three.
1: Evacuate the city, engage all defenses, and get this man a shield.
0: Avengers Affinity War has made over a billion dollars at the box office, international box office. So I'm going to assume that you've seen Avengers Affinity War, Simon, because everyone else seems to have.
1: I have not seen it, but it's okay. <laughs> it's all right. The only the only movie I've seen that's even close to it was Black Panther. Yeah. Uh, which was completely awesome and great. Mm-hmm. Um actually no, I think I saw the original. I think I have we saw the Avengers. It didn't make any sense to me at the time and I'm not really worried about it. Right. You're welcome to go ahead with all the spoilers you want.
0: <laughs> no, I would I don't want to do that No, I was just uh No no. No, it's it's okay. Uh I think Thanos would have me killed. So uh, oh. but, uh oh, yes. but yeah, so um but well, yeah, but we, we it's, a, it's, it's a great movie for where it is. I mean, it's like a crossover movie in the genre of like, you know, crossover comic books. It's, we've seen it with, you know, Captain America Civil War. We've seen like they've always, uh, with Thor and needing help and, you know, with, with his movies, having other characters in, in there. So it's it's pretty, pretty great uh, movie. It's, you know, it, it's not going to be able to stand on its own, I don't think, too much. But because you need to have done the homework and watched all the the 18 movies beforehand and not all of them, but like most of them. And so, so yeah. And for all those moving pieces and all those moving characters, uh, it does a really good job. Now. Is it like, going to be a great movie. Like, no, it's going to be right. The best summer blockbuster ever is what it's going to be. And that's, you know, that's in a different genre, I think of of movie then. So like one, one time I read a review, like someone like dissed the matrix. And when it came out, I was like, it's like I don't think you know what the Matrix is because you know that Matrix changed everything about science fiction movies and 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 what can came impossible and how to tell that story. And so I was like, we're gonna know.
1: have to we're gonna have to agree to disagree on that one. Oh really? <laughs> one of my all time least favorite movies. Oh
0: uh, Matrix! Oh man, I yes. I I remember walking out of that movie theater and just like, whoa, that was things have changed. And then. They made Matrix Two, and I was like, "Oh, well, never mind."
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, yes, the Matrix Two was was my revenge. I set that up,
0: and well no, played, okay. sir. Well played. No,
1: I didn't have to <laughs> set it up, but that's okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, the thing that was the thing that's been interesting to me watching the the conversations around the Avengers, yeah, is it was obvious when I saw Black Panther that there were pieces I was missing because I didn't have the rest of the series. Mm-hmm. But they seem to have done an amazing job of weaving the rest of the story into that movie without requiring anyone to know anything at all about the other Avengers lines. Um, you know, the assassination story stood on its own. The weird scene at the end with Captain America recovering in this hut in Wakanda. You didn't need to know the details. You just had to know that it was something different. Yeah. Um, I, think it's, I think it's really brave of them to put together movies that do require everyone to know all the parts mm-hmm. it's it's hard enough in a series where you know you can kind of assume people probably saw the first one before they saw the second one right. but to take something on this scale mm-hmm. I mean this is this is epic this is yeah. like um, you know I I don't think movies are opera exactly but I think about these like you know three nights of the, the ring of, of Wagner and all mm-hmm. and you know people go for like 16 hours worth of of opera and i'm picturing you know there are going to be movie theaters that are just going to be showing this set of movies right just like go in stay as long as you can come back for another round right yeah so it's 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 amazing to see that
0: yeah i think in la they're doing the uh, marathon of all 18 movies uh right before the the like premiere of infinity wars i was like that was a ripe smelling movie theater i believe
1: i suspect so and yeah the,
0: I, did, I, I did do the marathon in alamo draft house for uh the first avengers movie and i think that was like about four or five movies right and we did all it was all day and so i was just like i suffered through the hulk and uh and uh and everything but like that was that was a long haul but like i don't know how i could sit through 18 movies in a row but
1: well the the alamo draft house would be the perfect place to do that right i mean
0: yeah, you, I don't you don't know, right it was it had nothing to do with Elmo Draft Docs.
1: Well you, you need a different kind of theater if you're gonna be in there all day, all yeah. night. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And so, but I think like if you think about like the uh the closest there's it's, it's like I mean I don't think it's even like in the neighborhood of of blockbusters. They've talked about what Marvel Studios is doing with the Marvel movies, it's like the previous blockbuster was, you know, the Harry Potter series and Lord of the Rings series. Mm-hmm. Those are like, oh man, those are like the franchises like that, you know, and those are amazing movies, uh, but they seem like small in comparison to what Marvel Studios is doing, which is amazing because you think of the scope of like, you know, seven, you know, eight movies with Harry Potter and that's just amazing how they can, they can do that. So.
1: On the Harry Potter front, I'm very curious to see how far they go with the Fantastic Beasts and where to find them stuff. Yeah. Um, when I first saw it, I thought it was just going to be one movie, but there's you know trailers for a second, there are hints of a third. That could also end up being you know the the 15 movie series, and Lord of the Rings ends up looking like the lightweight. Yeah. So.
0: Yeah, I don't know. but uh, but also like, but potential like franchise killer, I think, is uh the Last Jedi, which is just like. Uh, which came out while while I was recovering from surgery. And uh, I missed out opening day um, to see the theater. And so my awesome girlfriend, uh, as soon as I was stabilized, checked out of the hospital, uh, as soon as I could hobbled over to the movie theater for a day screening of, of Last Jedi. And I thought I was still on drugs. (laughs) <laughs> for what i was seeing <laughs> because uh there was the like, spoilers alert i mean but it was just like right we're on the, the just jedi temple island and beautiful like ireland and uh and it was just like porgs and and like all of a sudden there's porgs and i was like there were no porgs and force awakens on this island it, i think she would have come across as like okay fine but all of a sudden they just showed up porgs like yeah, there's sporks. right? What, like, what, like you got a problem with that? Like, okay, like, okay, right? Okay, right, okay sure, whatever. And then all of a sudden, there's uh, alien uh,
1: caretakers.
0: There's caretakers. I'm like, where these people come up? Like, this they, they should have been introduced. And so I was like, am I like, <laughs> am I the only one seeing this? You like on the screen? I was just like, what is going on? And then um, I, I just wasn't really happy with. You know, it was just like they they didn't take any I can understand like if you don't want to do fan service or say a theory is right about like, you know, all the all the mysteries that were dropped for the Force Awakens, but just just to have your answer to be every theory or mystery from the last movie be, Nope, you're wrong, doesn't mean anything. We're moving on. That that is just like that's not how you build a franchise or keep keep it going. That's why I love the movie. Yeah. I just like, well, like, you know, I don't know.
1: Everything in the Star Wars universe has felt too small to me. And the reasons were way too tight. Yeah. It was like this one crazy family somehow inflicting madness on a galaxy. Right. With help from a, you know, broad supporting cast. But, um, but like it, it, well, I used I was talking about opera earlier. It felt like, you know, an opera plot all this time in space opera and all that. Um I was I was excited about two things. One was that everything was wrong. Right. <laughs> the other was the casino scene.
0: Really? Where, you were excited about that?
1: Well, at first I didn't like it, but then I realized that like in a way that flipped over all of these thoughts that I had about who they were going to find and what they were going to get. Mm-hmm. At the same time it was just this completely insane chase through a bizarre casino. Um I was like distracted enough by the casino scene that I was like yeah, this really should be Lando, shouldn't it? Yeah. But who is this Benicio del Toro guy who's kind of weird and stuff? Um, but the casino has me thinking a lot more about kind of a whole Star Wars universe. Yeah. Uh, the okay, so so you know, I mean, lots of spoilers here, of course. Uh, he you know he he sells them out, mm. but on the way to selling them out, he explains how everyone else has already sold them out. this is the people who made the x-wing these are the people who made the tie fighters guess what same people (laughs) so there was a lot there that i liked i think though that the most important problem with the movie is that it didn't have the deleted scene where luke basically pranks yeah uh, ray and that is so weird and so like i I think if they'd included it people probably would have been furious (laughs) but
0: well, I really like. I, I love. I almost every deleted scene. I feel like should have been in the movie, because that scene shows uh, a lesson being taught to yes. to Ray, which is just like she shows up, moves some rocks. Uh, she shows up, lo- knowing how to move rocks. Right. She leaves, moving rocks, right? And like and she even just says, like, "Hey, like, hey, I, all I know about the forces, is I move some rocks." I'm like. Well, from what I gather, you just know how to walk into a pit and have a a fantasy vibe or whatever, which is sort of what they did in Empire Strikes Back. But even then, it was just like, you know, there was still, I felt like there's Luke loosening his grip, like not being an old footy-duddy in the mud about it, like, and, uh, you know, watch my language. But uh, it's just like, he's like, hey, I was trying to tell you something, and you went off. And wow, I had a good laugh about that. Like, And so, and that kind of helped me not be upset by these caretaker aliens, you know, because they're like, hey, yeah. this is like the aliens who were, they know what they're doing. They're they are in this world. They don't feel like they're just tacked on like it porgs. It gave a
1: yeah. whole lot more to the caretakers. Yeah. But I mean, I think the porgs were basically made for my kids. Yeah. I mean, I, I know the story about, you know, there were these puffins and they couldn't make the puffins move and all of that kind of stuff. And then they went crazy with them my kids are slowly collecting porgs so we'll see what happens
0: yeah i just but i felt like the movie it was just like oh it was just it just there's so much weight uh the movie just didn't flow for me um uh, i was just like it's a long movie to begin with it is a very long movie. i mean you could the casino thing is like a half hour and i was like wow if you cut the casino thing out this is not a bad you know time wise for the movie and so um, and then you check out the deleted scenes. I'm like, wow, there's almost characters here I care about. You know, it's just like, wow, this is amazing. And right. so I just felt like, well, I don't know. I don't know what happened, um, you know, and uh, killing Luke at the end uh, just made me as a fan who, like, then I had to go process, like, okay, the only scenes where I see Luke mm-hmm. kicking butt is. When he rescues Han Solo <laughs> from Jabba the Hutt, right. yeah, that's the only part I have. I'm like being pretty awesome with lightsaber because like we had the prequels, a lot of lightsabers deals. But like, if you look at it, like, okay, what footage do we have of Luke being good? And granted, I know he's an old guy now, but uh, but like even the lightsaber bat, lightsaber battle at the end, he's dodging lightsabers, right? He's not he's he's not actually fighting. So, so as a fan who who grew up with uh, you know, you know, you know as I didn't really grow up with, it, but like Return of the Jedi just right. hit, hit me at the sweet spot when I when I was a kid. So just to have that, like, well, I want to have this like epic, maybe one last time with with Luke and to like let's see him throw down, and then have it be a fake out.
1: Yeah, just, I saw the first. I saw the first three in theaters, and I was too young, honestly, to have seen the first one, but yeah. I did for some reason. Um, you know, my friends were all about it. Everything was exciting. <sighs> I had a really hard time watching it again later. Yeah. Um, you know, I can see the the genius of the original trilogy, but never really liked Luke or Han. So kind of basic problems. <laughs> um, you know, Obi-Wan was sort of interesting, although why he was hiding on Tatooine under his real name. I, you know, these are just difficult questions. Um, for me, well, honestly, my favorite Star Wars movie is Rogue One. And yeah it has the most plausible ending. Yeah. So it's, um, you know, like that.
0: I thought Rogue One would be like the one that you would hate the most because they have to go get files from a hard drive and from a civilization that has warp technologies, but they can't, uh, SSH. Yeah. Well, so I don't,
1: I, my, my mother's a librarian. I, you know, <laughs> what can I say? I like libraries. Um, yeah, Rogue, I mean, Rogue One has also got all kinds of difficult things to it, and I'm not sure that every decision they made was anywhere near the decision I would make. But in the end, it was the most satisfying to me. And sort of coming to The Last Jedi after that um, and sort of saying, Everybody dies! Awesome! <laughs> it kind of works. I don't know. Right. It's different.
0: Right. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, like, they spent, like, a gazillion money amount of money to fix... Rogue One, because yes. they had a war movie, from what I've gathered from the, and they have a war movie, and it's like, well, that's great. If you put this out there so soon after relaunching Star Wars, and not make a Star Wars feel movie to it, um, uh, where you might like lose the audience. So they spent a lot of movies, a lot of money to make the movie, uh, right, the fit right, right. And yes. so when I'm sitting there, granted, just released from hospital, kind of out of my mind a little bit, and I'm just seeing this like thing just lug upon lug on and on and on. That looks like Star Wars. <laughs> uh, it just doesn't feel like it. And I'm like, and uh and I was just like, I, I don't understand the uh you know, nothing rings true to me because you know, Finn gets saved by uh by someone crashing into him that could have killed him and saying you can't sacrifice yourself because that's not what we do on our side. While their leader smashes in hyperspace to sacrifice herself for other people, I like I don't I, understand these things. So I don't know. That's
1: yeah. yeah I like contradictions. I'm yeah. totally fine with that.
0: Yeah, I just I just I just did not get that. Whatever. So um, I was like, maybe they need to come up with a mission statement and read about that and and be all on the same page.
1: Important question: Are you looking forward to
0: solo? I bought tickets to solo this morning. At three o'clock this morning, so uh, yes, I am. I'm I'm looking at solo because I think uh, the actor they pl- that is playing Lando mm-hmm. is perfect. Is uh, I forgot he's he stars in Atlanta and um, he was in Community, and uh, I wish I could have his name off the top of my tongue right now, but I, I don't. But like I'm going to solo to see a Lando movie is pretty much what I'm going to uh, is what I'm seeing.
1: Lando deserves his own movie, really. I exactly.
0: Mean, <laughs> exactly. I think yes. what they're doing with Solo is since Solo died, spoiler alert, uh, in Force Awakens. And I think they're kind of like merging it, maybe like doing a little Marvel thing where like they're kind of like in Rogue One where they're trying to like piece the thing together, mm-hmm. you know, piece a little bit more, and make it more 360, I guess, coming together. But um, I don't know. We'll see. But, you know, but I think Star Wars shows how difficult it is to do something on epic scale of mm-hmm. Marvel studios to bring it back to what we talked about earlier, but also to show how far uh DC universe has to go. And I'm a big DC fan. Like I have a lot of these books right here, right? Uh, DC art, DC archives uh, of past, past kind of books. And so I'm a big DC fan. And so totally pains me <laughs> when they put out really bad movies uh, like justice league and, and Batman versus Superman, when they're just like should be shooting fish in a barrel in terms of making them making it work, <laughs> but it just shows you how hard it is to make it work. But anyway, let's move on. <laughs> we can talk about okay, this. sure. We almost had a Last Jedi uh, podcast episode, but uh, but uh, yes. I think, I think I mean- we I think we saved the world from not having that one. So, but. Uh,
1: oh, the other thing I should add is I haven't seen it again except for the deleted scenes since yeah. I saw it in the theaters. So I still need to go back and catch it up. And it's possible my opinion will change.
0: Okay. So I'm going to dig it up in, in the, for the show notes. But there's someone who has a YouTube channel series and he's going through Last Jedi and fixing it scene by scene. And he's actually, he's actually just using popping open Adobe Premiere. And he's like he's okay. in the delete scenes and he's going through it and fix it. Uh spoiler alert. Uh the his ending, uh Luke does not die. So and uh and I felt like wow, that's you know, like the way he does it is I think it's pretty pretty interesting. Also, uh Luke Skywalker doesn't throw his lightsaber like, over his shoulder. Uh so he does he does pretty much everything the fans right. have and I I must admit, I'm like I'm eating it up. Like, oh my god, this is amazing. Yeah, this is exactly what this is great. This is total fan service. And I'm like, oh, and I feel bad for it. But at the same time, I'm enjoying it. <laughs> Just like, no. yeah, like uh-huh. I like it, but no, like, yeah, but I totally get like, because Ryan Johnson, like, yeah, I, we want someone who takes the franchise in a new place. And, I, you know, I think that's where sort of what the Star Wars stories, like, you know, Rogue One and hopefully Solo takes it. And I'm totally cool with that. And I'm also great. I love the Clone Wars, uh, Rebels, uh, cartoon series. Uh, they're kind of like, a little too old for those, but uh, you know, I saw like sometimes they have really oh. good stories that cross, you know, that that really speak to adults. So
1: I, I'm too old for Lego Star Wars, but I'll admit seeing Darth <laughs> Maul jumping around as a little Lego figure is highly entertaining. Oh
0: yeah, that's that's pretty awesome. But yeah, uh, I will say I did buy uh, my family members. We got together recently. Uh, I was able to get the Millennium Falcon Ultimate Collectors Connect. Yes, uh, I saw. And uh, so my, I have nieces and nephews who are into Legos and. So I was just like, here, we're all gonna be busy doing our own thing. Here's for the tween teenagers, have have a go at it while we adults go over here, and or like the little kids can, and can do something else. So so you guys can do that. And so uh, I would say as a Lego person, like uh, I don't buy much Legos anymore, but the uh,
1: mm-hmm.
0: the engineering that goes into the Millennium Falcon for Legos cool. was amazing. I think it was just oh, like, who are the, they have like a, it's. The designers are awesome like i feel like well there's the <laughs> lego designing is a job is what i, I took away yes. from that so that was pretty it was pretty amazing so uh but yeah and so we're, we're filming this we're recording this on uh, may the fourth be with you too so i feel like we have to yes a little bit pretty good so okay number four all right uh next story uh you actually wrote a piece uh, turning off google analytics and uh I Ah. thought that was really great. So, uh, this sort of uh, on the heels of we can probably merge this together with I guess Zuckerberg's comments to the Congress. Yeah, it's been a
1: weird few months. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I mean, so the Google Analytics thing has been bugging me for I don't know two years. Yeah. Um, I had, I still have uh, blogs that I really started writing in two thousand and three. They were pretty active until 2015 when I made an upgrade to Ubuntu that killed my blogging engine, and um, they've been static websites ever since. The glory of movable type is that even when it's dead, you still have everything looking alive except the search box. Um, and so I've been like chopping away at these things slowly ever since. Um At one point, like Google was downgrading everything that had form fields on it that weren't HTTPS, so all those dead search fields they suddenly went away. Hmm. Um, Fortunately, those were only on like the home pages of my like seven blog things. But you know, with GDPR coming up, with Facebook, with lots of other things, I just was like, you know, I look at Google Analytics every six months to two years. And it's feeding this steady stream of information on my visitors to Google. And it's not like any of these are sites where I've built stuff around Google Analytics. I mean, I I know people who've built basically their companies around Google Analytics. I I don't expect them to yank it out anytime soon and start over. But, you know, when you actually get into the Google Analytics interface, most of it is like, you know, campaigns. And we're going to do this and evaluate how well this worked. And, you know, these are static websites that have been sitting there for (laughs) 10 years of, yeah. Um, So, you know, there were some interesting challenges. I posted on Facebook, like, how best should I remove this code from 5,000-odd pages? Um, Obviously, grep was the right answer, but I went with Sublime Text instead because it was just simpler. Um, So, you know, it took four hours worth of work to to make 5,100 replacements, Um, and it was only that difficult because there were different sites with different codes and It was not a big deal at all. Um, Then I, you know, I had to leave Google Analytics up for a while to make sure I'd actually cleaned everything out. Um, It was kind of fun watching the curves drop down to zero. Um, It did give me a few false positives. Like I would go check the page that had been hit and there was nothing there. So I think people must have things in their cache that show up for a while afterwards. Um, But last week I was like, okay, let's just unplug this thing and see what happens. Um, so I put it all in Google's trash can, which takes thirty five days to empty. So um, that's also kind of odd. Um, but yeah, I mean basically, I'm, i I did it because I don't I wasn't gaining any benefit from it mm-hmm. while I was actually giving my users you know more time to load the page, and they were being followed around by Google right. Um, I haven't turned off everything Google. I still have Google Fonts on a couple of pages, though right. the privacy rules on Google Fonts are much tighter. They basically say we will not be using the rest of the Google tracking. Okay. Um, we do you know, track IP addresses and that kind of stuff, but right. um, the Google Fonts rules are pretty comfortable. I learned today that apparently if you have Google Fonts on your page, uh, because China has the, has all Google properties blocked, Mm-hmm. you lose about 30 seconds at the initial load mm-hmm. um, as it goes looking for your fonts. Um, I'm going to have to figure out if I've set things up right so I can just render a serif without looking for the fonts. I mean, right. really, it's not that big a deal. Um, the other thing is, like, Google's given me some some other headaches. Um, it turns out that if you run an email server, Google would really like you to use Gmail instead. Mm. Um, so their documentation for how to send mail to Gmail customers is basically written for people running ISPs. Okay. And their dashboards don't even light up until you have 100 messages. So it was all kind of like, you know, I'm trying to do you guys favors, but this isn't working. So <laughs> let's just let's just cut back as far as we can. Um, I don't think I'm ever going to say um, I'm not sending mail to Gmail users because that would basically be saying I'm not using email. Um, but on the website, just didn't seem necessary.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, the other thing is I uh, I had this bizarre cookie that I set. At some point I decided it would be a great thing if my visitors could pick their style sheet and it was like a small type, medium type, large type where the large type went to this like 17th century font because I live in Dryden and Dryden was a 16th century 17th century 17th century poet um and uh yeah why am i setting a cookie here why do i have this chunk of javascript why do i this doesn't make any sense so uh so my next project will just be to torch all of that though it'll be a lot (laughs) easier because that just calls an external script
0: so you you, so you forgot to document your own code for yourself in the future as to why you did this did the cookie
1: yeah, I mean, I have an article about why I thought it was cool, but I'm right. just looking back at it and going, "God, I was dumb." <laughs> I mean, I, I wrote a book on cookies, and right. you know, I obviously knew how to do all this stuff, so it seemed easy at the time. But
0: yeah.
1: like, there are these other ways to do that. Why did I go that route? Yeah. So anyway, I'm I'm basically slowly rebuilding all of these things, right. um, and the. I don't know, I feel like I have a professional conflict because I spend my, so much of my, my workday telling people, you know, these are courses about frameworks and they'll help you use the frameworks and you can do all of this great stuff in JavaScript and, oh, by the way, we have Google Analytics courses over here. Um, I don't do the Google Analytics courses, but that's actually not even my decision. That was just the way it was set up when I got here. Yeah. Um, it is, you know, kind of a weird, tricky thing, but I'm kind of concluding if I can minimize people's exposure to spying people's load time for my pages. Um, people's burning their CPU cycles. Yeah. Summer's coming. Why do we need to heat everything up? Right. I don't know. Okay. It's overkill, but it's nice.
0: Yeah. Well, I think it's, yeah, I was, I was, um, auditing one of our, uh, I work for, uh, for a master's auditing our new web performance course. And it was just amazing. You know, one of the theories that, uh, this, the teacher talks about is, um, Steve Kenny like says like a uh, typical web load now is about the same size as the, the old doom game. That yeah. Is. So <laughs> that, so we're actually downloading doom, uh, if over you think about it over. Over, over and over again. And, uh, I mean, is it, is it bringing us that much joy? I'm not sure. but uh, They should
1: just send it to us as a box of floppy disks.
0: Yeah, that'd be awesome. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, but I mean, it,
1: it is amazing how big these things have gotten. Mm-hmm. Um, even, like, I redid the front page of my website, and the HTML is totally lightweight, but I decided to have an image for every card. Yeah. And so, you know, even though they're tiny images, there's like 46 of them, and so it all piles right. on.
0: Yeah, and so that's like a thing I have the battle with because I'm not a big fan of lazy loading images because you because yeah. if you have an image, you know, I could say like lazy load you want like a background property you know something like that mm-hmm. where it's not content but like an image in line is content and therefore you need to have it there and then then you have these pages which are like you know some pages just have fifty images you know and you're know, like well what 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 you do and I'm just like. I don't know. Maybe not have a page with 50 images. I'm not really sure. But uh,
1: good <laughs> start. Yeah, I also kind of some of these things I wish were more built into the browser. I mean, like lazy loading seems like something that a browser could completely do. It knows what you're looking at. It knows where you are in the page. Right. And historically, some of them have lazy loaded. Right. But for some reason, we decided we had to take control of all of these things.
0: Right. Yeah. And like uh, also, you know, I don't know. We're we'll off our lawn type of conversation we could be having, but uh, you know, just, there's a there's a I was dealing with a, a vendor's UI, mm-hmm. and I did not like it. You know, it was just <laughs> really confusing. It was just like, I was like, I wanted to go in there with user style sheets and yes. say, put an icon next to these two menu navigations because just give me an icon and I know exactly what I'm looking for. You know, but mm-hmm. they, but they're and they're totally two different. You know, these two links go I mean two totally different things, but they're stacked right next to each other, and Man, if I have not if I have not pressed that wrong link a hundred times this week, you know, it's just uh, yeah, uh, it's
1: really hard to train yourself away from these things. Yeah. And the the other piece of it is that I keep wondering how much of this kind of design is that somebody's copying an interface they had on a different system. Yeah. So you know, it was a desktop app. We made it into a website, or it was a terminal application in 1970 running COBOL. And here it is. It looks great, doesn't it? Here's your table of all capital letters.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, for all the massive distance, I mean, you you know all the stuff that CSS can do. You know how all these things work. Yeah. We somehow don't use it very well. So
0: yeah, uh, it's well. It just, I just I've been finding it. It's uh, the people who do UX. Um, I find it amazing that they can do it. But I feel that people who can convince their superiors to do UX are really amazing. <laughs> so
1: that is uh, like ninety percent of the challenge, I think.
0: Right, which is like amazing. Like that's like the hardest part, and that's where I find that. That's where like after doing conferences about UX and content strategy, I think that's where the pain points are. Where to convince people like just because you have something that looks cool doesn't mean it's useful. And right. um, and that's just the hard part, really. It's right. just like, Hey, it's okay to break what we've got down and, and go in and fix it and test it out. And if it comes out that, Hey, we have the right solution. That's awesome. But you know, um, we have, a <laughs> we have a, I talked to, uh, oh, um, uh, rocket surgery made it easy. Steve Krug, It's uh, Steve Krug, like uh, Krug. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. So is like, you know, <laughs> like one of the things I asked him is like, you do like, like well, one of the things he does is, um, um, is a he he does like on the spot uh, Q and A analysis. He actually gets someone to come up and talk about the website and he does a little UX testing. And then I was like, wow, that, like that's working without a net. You know, are you ever going like, you know, you worry that you do that that uh, you find like someone has a really great website. It was like, yeah, Chris, that's that's never going to happen. <laughs> it's like, yeah. it's very much what he said. I did like paraphrasing a little bit, but like, yeah, he's, there's always something that can be fixed. Yes, so. there is.
1: I mean, the thing that I, I'm actually really enjoying building websites again. It's kind of weird. I'm finding myself like volunteering to build them for the first time in a decade. Why is that? Um, basically, because of CSS grid. Yeah. So I can just make things work. I freaked out the other day. I, I, so I built the homepage of of my site in CSS grid over the holidays and made sure it worked in links and made sure that it downgraded fine. It's basically just a, a list um, when you look at it in another. In a not grid context, but then I was like, you know, I haven't tried Opera Mini. I should try Opera Mini. Nobody tries Opera Mini,
0: yeah.
1: and everything worked. <laughs> and it's like even the rotation, even the stuff that's like specific to grid. Yeah. And you know, I, like I wrote Opera. If you if you upgraded, no answer, no nothing, no news. But it works, yeah. so maybe it's maybe it's real. Um, I don't think grid is going to solve the need for better UX
0: thought,
1: oh, no. but it might at least take some of the pain out of the rest and give people the time they need to do that thought. Yeah. We'll, I think, we'll be optimistic. Well,
0: yeah. Just to do page layouts quickly and easily without having to worry about floats or mm-hmm. it's going to be the, the most amazing thing. I think. And just, floats are even
1: fun now that they're just floats and not the whole layout. Engine.
0: <laughs> exactly. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and then, um, but yeah, so a lot, uh, have a lot. I have a lot of issues too with, with other parts, but, but it's great. It's like flexbox and CSS grids. Uh, I did have a conversation with someone, um, you know, I've been working on this book for a long time, but, um, about retrofitting, mm-hmm. and I'm hoping to have her on the show again, uh, Emily Lewis. And uh, and I said, like, well, do you do you, uh, work with CSS grids now? It's all the rage, you know. I, I hear people love it, and she's like, no. You no, know, she she does a lot of retrofitting websites, and like, no, because <laughs> like, because uh, I I have very specific browser conditions, you know, browsers uh, to support, and I might be able to squeeze in flexbox with a polyfill. Because of IE10, right. you know, and above, so, so it's right. it's still like CSS Grid is awesome, but you know, some people can still work in this like modern utopia.
1: If you're with, if you know. you're required to make it look the same on like IE8, it's it's not going to work. Mm-hmm. But what I decided was much saner was just it looks okay on IE8. It doesn't look like the same thing. It just it it it's a workable website, um, and that. That, I think, is actually the unique piece. Like, you can do it, and you can have a fallback, and they don't look the same, but they both work.
0: Right. Yeah, so. Yeah. I think with, I'm trying to think about updating my website and taking it off of WordPress and, you know, and just putting it into uh, Jekyll, uh, which no one, like, does anymore. That They all go someplace else. But, uh,
1: yeah, I was, I was talking about movable type recently. Do not be ashamed. It's
0: okay. <laughs> but uh, I was just thinking about uh, uh, working with CSS Grids and Flexbox, and then if you don't support that, I'm going to give you the print style sheet, you know, sans page breaks or whatever, but like yeah. just going to give you the just give you that and so I don't have to you know, you'll still be able to see the content and uh, it just, you know, yeah, whatever, I don't really care.
1: That's actually something else I've been noticing lately is more people seem to be doing print style sheets. The only way that I know this is that when I print things they look better than they used to. And they frequently don't look like they did on screen. So somebody's actually paying attention these days.
0: Yeah, well like Smashing Magazine, Rachel Andrew, who's uh yes. r- leading in a charge, like she, she like Print Style Sheets in two thousand eighteen, which is like that is a very Rachel Andrews article to write. Uh so I feel yes. like I feel like that was amazing. And so so we, we actually got discussing uh print style sheets with some some colleagues about that. And I was like, I I've been a big fan of print style sheets for a long time and um you know, my my tweet this week was uh uh print style sheets were the original like uh service worker for offline yes i like that
1: i like like that yeah Yeah, i mean i well it's been a long time since i worked for people who insisted on printing out all their email but i know people who printed out large portions of the web too so it's
0: yeah you never know man like it's still a pretty good idea unless you're the government and you have catalogs of it so yes (laughs) because you never know if this might disappear so but uh yeah speaking of uh Documenting and listening to everything on the web. Number five. Uh, we, I got mentioned this Zuckerberg in front of Congress, and uh, mm-hmm. uh, any thoughts about that at all?
1: Or mostly that Facebook has been apologizing for the last ten years and not really getting <laughs> any better. So, I mean, you know, we we talk there. I I love the conversations I have on Facebook. Yes. Um, I am, however, making a conscious effort. First, to move more of my stuff to other social networks. So, like the article about Google Analytics was on LinkedIn. I work there, so that was kind of easy. Right. Um, but I've also like revived my Twitter account. I was basically just like occasionally retweeting stuff once in a while. Um, now I'm retweeting a lot. No, I tweet once in a while too. Um, I'm also looking into like the whole Mastodon uh, alternative models. Oh really? I've got it. Yeah, and resetting my site. Over the holidays was kind of the first step. I don't, I'm not going to start movable type again, uh, <laughs> but I am going to get some kind of a local blogging engine going. Nice. Um, I'm realizing how much of the stuff that I wrote for other people is disappearing into the ether because right. they aren't actually maintaining it. Right. Um, so that irks me. Um, I mean, with Facebook, I mean I, I saw some I saw some things this week that actually made me happy. So like they're gonna offer like options for clearing your history.
0: Yeah.
1: Um you can clear your cookies on a browser, you'll be able to clear your Facebook history and that probably should ease some of the worst things. Mm-hmm. Um, they still seem to be kind of ducking and weaving. I think there's too much money involved for them to
0: right.
1: to give up the dark patterns.
0: Right. I mean like like the moment that um you know there was, I saw tweets and everything on social media, like, the moment during the his initial, I, think, I don't know if it was day two or day one of his talk, where, like, you know, uh, a congressperson, you know, asked, you know, how do you make your money? And he, he answered, like, oh, we sell ads. Mr. Zuckerberg, I remember well your first visit to Capitol Hill back in 2010. You spoke to the Senate Republican High-Tech Task Force, which I chair. You said back then that Facebook would always be free. Is that still your objective?
1: Senator, yes. There will always be a version of Facebook that is free. It is our mission to try to help connect everyone around the world and to bring the world closer together. In order to do that, we believe that we need to offer a service that everyone can afford. And we're committed to doing that.
0: Well, if so, how do you sustain a business model in which users don't pay for your service?
1: Senator, we run ads.
0: I see. That's great. And he smiled. He, he like he like he was a total robot the whole entire time, but you know, but but he smiled like, hey, I, I got you. Oh, we sell ads, but like that wasn't really the you know, like he's not really saying the full story. That's like typically the, the iceberg. Is like we sell ads by mining every freaking click and like and comment that you make and every message that you don't think is public to right. deliver specific ads to our advertisers. So they will come back and spend thousands of millions of dollars on us to deliver content that you've freely given up, you know, to to tell us who you are about that. And that's how we sell ads. And so. Right. uh, So, yeah. So he kind of like ducked and weave. But the thing is, like, it's a total farce, I thought, like, because you have Facebook who probably lobbies these congressmen Mm -hmm. and and women and who don't know anything about Facebook or technology because they have junior staffers. to handle all that stuff. And so they're probably asking questions that were written by the junior staff to ask Zuckerberg. And Zuckerberg probably hired elder uh, PR consultants on how to answer them. So it was just this weird infinity loop going on of (laughs) of, of like this like this whole, like, dance, you know, going off.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I'll be curious. Like, the the UK definitely wants to see Zuckerberg uh, visit Parliament sometime soon. And has oh, made that, some, that
0: should be awesome. That'd be great.
1: Some cranky comments. And the European Union is clearly not happy. That's an SNL um, skit
0: waiting to happen right there. Like, that's going to be awesome. Yes. Zuckerberg and, and UK Parliament. Yeah. Awesome.
1: So, I, so I, I, don't, I don't know where this goes, but I can't really see it being good for Facebook. The mm. other thing that I wonder, you know, I was just talking about Google earlier, and compared to Facebook, Google is you know, looking kind of shiny and happy. <laughs> but all of Facebook's woes make people think more about Google. At least right. that's kind of how I wound up with this whole analytics question. Mm. Um, so I think we're going to see the whole ecosystem change. I don't think Facebook and Google are going to go away. No. But I think there's going to be some really hard questions about business models that we're just raking in cash yeah. and uh, I hope they change. I'm not sure they will. That's why I'm looking into all these alternatives and distributing stuff across multiple places. But
0: Yeah, like the independent web, like, you know, Jeremy Keith promotes and um, yeah, Zellman promoted a while back. So uh, just own your stuff. And even like, you know, I, I think I mentioned this before, like, you know, he used to work at South by, but like when the person who helped run it, you know, he delivered a keynote after, after like a, I think a Rails conference or maybe uh, in, mm-hmm. in Austin. And he was like, own your own digital media, like put it on your website, right? That you own and you run, and then you can share it to who knows whatever you, you feel comfortable with. But um, you know, you can write a quick note and have it tweeted. Have a f- photo posted on your website and send to Flickr and and all other stuff like that too. But at least, but at least you own it.
1: That's where I want to be by the end of the year. Yeah, um, and I'm kind of I've always had this website. I've had this server. It's still a server. Well, it's a virtual server, but. Um, but I finally am getting back to like making it uh, a suitable home for that, uh, making it easy to post again. Yeah, uh, I've gotten really lazy. All my photos go to Facebook because yeah. it's easy, right?
0: Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. Like we've had this conversation before. Where, like you know, we both we want the open web, but uh, we find ourselves talking a lot on Facebook.
1: <laughs> yes. Yes, let's talk about the open web on Facebook.
0: That yes, exactly. Great. Okay, this walled garden is pretty nice.
1: What about the open web? <laughs> it's pretty nice,
0: but uh, cool.
1: Yeah, I'll, I'll keep you posted as I finally get things.
0: Okay, awesome. Solved. Yeah, I, and I think I need to make a challenge for myself to do the same this year. So, uh, yeah, because I definitely, I definitely want to make it easier for me to blog, right. and I feel like logging into WordPress right now would be like too much work. So well, know.
1: WordPress is sort of going through some major changes with this whole Gutenberg and other yeah, things. Awesome. So, I, you know, it could be great. It might not be. I don't yet have an opinion. So,
0: number six.
1: Um, yeah, the other thing that we mentioned though was the photos, and so like Flickr just got bought by SmugMug. Um,
0: did they get I bought was... by SmugMug, or did they just, or did Flickr just like give with the ghost?
1: Well. It's hard to tell you. <laughs> SmugMug has made some very, you know, happy-sounding statements, but what actually happens? I think we know how these things go.
0: Do you? Um, do you actually have a SmugMug Bug, mug account? I don't. Yeah, I mean, is it because like we're not millennials or something, or I don't know. I don't
1: know. I mean, I, I think, like I was talking earlier about how I have like I still have CDs and I rip them. Right. Um, I keep all of my photos locally. I'm. Cursing Adobe Lightroom Five because of many many things at this point. It was not Adobe is not really eager to have me keep things locally, so I'll have to figure out other options. Right. Um, the, I mean, Flickr was what I used explicitly when I wanted to share stuff under a Creative Commons license mm-hmm. because they had that nice little metadata stuff for making that possible.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and I would use it to search stuff for Creative Commons so right. that I could you know find images to use, um, and. That, that everyone hadn't already seen on Wikipedia, I guess, is kind of the, the value there. Um, so it was kind of a place for me to share stuff, but I know a lot of people who got much more serious about it and then felt really kind of endlessly disappointed for a decade or so. Um, I would love to see the original Vision live again. I'm not sure it will. I think, honestly, getting it out of the hands of Yahoo and its descendants is probably a good thing, even if it just dies. But uh, I don't know. We'll
0: see. Yeah, I mean, uh, like we checked it out, and all it is is just an announcement that that's happening. And they themselves said like we don't have anything re- really re- ready for you now, but check back soon. And I was like, well, that's not really, not really promising. Not we'll really see. great, man. Like you had a vision to buy or acquire Flickr. So uh, right. what, what's your what's your vision? So uh, yeah, and I just think uh, you know Flickr you know deserves. a where it's gotten but uh because you know there's you know Flickr was around when you still needed to get a digital camera that was solely a digital camera and Mm -hmm. uh, it was cool when iphone happened because you can see the progress of people taking photos with just their iphone and like not needing to take a digital camera with them and uh and then people were like oh i need to take video and like people have the digital video recorder that was like fit in their pocket and then 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 it came into you know, iPhone, you know, sucked that up and, you know, or Android phones, or whatever. And, and Flickr is flickering, you know, just, you know, that's right. I was doing the same old thing. I'm like, like, there's lots of stuff going on and yeah. So I don't know.
1: Yeah. They were better. They were better at a lot of things I think than anybody else was, mm-hmm. but those weren't the things that turned out to be what customers really jumped on. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like for me, it was the creative commons metadata. Yeah. And like that just doesn't happen on Facebook for some reason. Yeah. Um, it's not a normal feature, even in Lightroom, like I have to do weird plugins to make it label these things.
0: Wow.
1: Um, I, I don't know. There was this moment, maybe like 2005, 2006 when I felt like the web was kind of reopening for business and there were all these cool things happening. But a lot of them just kind of went into deep freeze and Flickr yeah. is maybe like the best single icon of that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I don't know. I feel sad I Feel like, I feel a little old for, yeah. for, for, for it. but like, I feel like yeah, Flickr had, had, had potential. And then they realized that they lost potential. They lost yes. the lead. They could, they still saw like, Hey, we still have potential. And then they didn't make it happen. And so, so they've, they've had the chances. And so I, I don't know what smug bug is. So hopefully maybe Next yeah. time we talk, one of us will actually have a count count there. Yeah. <laughs> we we'll actually like like, but I was like, but I feel like we just need to take a moment to like, hey,
1: yes, we should, yes, think yeah. good thoughts about Flickr. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, it's interesting too. Like a lot of the same people went on to create Slack, which is a totally different thing. But yeah, totally different thing. And
0: and I don't know how we got along without it. So it's just it's weird. So I don't know. I that's like again like it goes to like Wall Wall Garden because i have a I'm having conversations with people like, I wish I could go back and look, you know, and, and capture them. And maybe that's a good thing. I mean, it's a bad thing that I can't go back and, and search them online or whatever like that. So, but no, but yeah, but I mean, it was, but Slack is a whole different beast. We're like, I just can't believe the, the trajectory of Slack uh, is, is amazing. Like, like the adoption I've never seen. I've never seen yeah. a tool before Slack where business adoption was steady and almost like a rocket.
1: Well, the years. thing that I, I mean, it's kind of funny to me because, like, in a sense, we've always had Slack. It was just called IRC or any of these twenty different things. But it's the first tool where people just like walked up to it and like there just wasn't a learning curve, at least for the the basic stuff. Okay, I have to figure out what channels are, and it's annoying that I have multiple passwords.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, but yeah, I just you're totally right about the rocket launch
0: trajectory yeah cool awesome well i think that's that's it for, yeah. for, for this week uh where can people find you simon uh, what's what's going on like what's your um, what you're excited about sh- these days sure
1: i'm at uh simon SimonStl.com, s-i-m-o-n-s-t-l.com i'm happier saying that now that i've redesigned the website so there's something vaguely tolerable there to look at um if you look at the bottom, there's even a piece on how I did it because I actually like the way I did it this time. It's so weird. Um, I'm also like that S-I-M-O-N-S-T-L thing on lots of social media, Twitter. You can find me on Facebook, that kind of stuff. Um, I should add that I work for LinkedIn Learning, which is part of Microsoft. Um, I don't think I said anything that was particularly excitingly Microsoft-ian or linkedin but you never know. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, I just, there's... There'll be more exciting stuff the next time we talk, I'm sure.
0: Okay, awesome. Definitely. And uh, Christopher Schmidt, you can find me on Twitter at at Teleject. And uh, subscribe to us on uh, Non-Breaking Space um, for your Apple podcast needs. So, cool. Thanks, Simon. Thank you. Next time.